0: joining us today, and if you are just now hearing about coffee and chaturangas, I encourage you to go back to maybe the first episode and kind of see what this is all about. It's really yoga-infused, and I wanted to introduce y'all to Megan, those of y'all that might not know her. Those of y'all that do know her probably understand why I want to introduce you, the world, to Megan. Um, she has energy that we wish would we would have like a snippet of, <laughs> and um, I, one of the things I think is really, really important as a yoga teacher is that we find our style and you can't just find your style overnight. Um, that goes for anything. And it's something that evolves and it's ever changing because our lives change. And Megan has a really unique style of teaching that, I mean, you pretty much fall in love with Megan when you meet her, when you take her class. So I wanted to bring her and for y'all to meet her and just have this conversation, really hear about how she started her yoga practice and what, inspired her to become a yoga teacher and especially her
1: style, however you want to share. Okay, well, um, I started practicing yoga seriously when I moved to Dallas in 2011. Before that, um, we were forced against our will to take um, yoga classes and different summer intensives, things I had done in the ballet world. It was always super slow and boring. We would fall asleep. Um, We didn't see a whole lot of benefit in it when we were 11 and 12 and wanting to be on dancing on our toes all the time, but um, I sustained a pretty serious ankle injury in 2008, about six weeks before Nutcracker. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's funny how those things happen. It's like one moment, you know, this is your life, and then the next time you don't ever dance in the Nutcracker again. Um, but I ended up taking a job in Dallas, just needed a change, moved from Austin after about eight years there, and um, there was a studio, a yoga studio called Uptown Yoga, I was living in Uptown Dallas, and it was at the end of my block. So I decided to go check out a class because I knew it was good for me and I needed, um, I'm not a gym rat, I don't like running. I don't want to run any further than across the stage. So working out is just not that fun for me. So I decided to give it another shot. Mm -hmm. And it was a vinyasa flow class. It was heated. And I walked in thinking, "Okay, I'm a dancer. I'm going to kick everybody's ass here. And I could not hold my hair dryer up. I couldn't for like a week. I could not. Um, I could not open doors. I was having to, you know, just shove myself into them because my arms were so tired. It was just a really, really humbling experience. And but that one class, I don't even remember who was teaching. Um, I completely fell in love. Um, they had a great schedule, starting at six a.m. The last class was at eight p.m. every day. So. Um, that was probably in December of 2011. So in January, I usually do an entire month of detox and um, just to kind of start the year in a fresh way. And so I added yoga, so I decided to do it every single day mm-hmm. um, and never really looked back. You know, I've been teaching movement ballet since for well over a decade now. And um, so after I began practicing yoga, you know, pretty seriously, it's it was just a natural progression, mm-hmm. you know, into teaching. So I started my teacher training, and um, at Yoga or Lotus Yoga Dallas, it was right next to my dance studio, so it was very convenient. I could go take yes. class there on my lunch break, and then you know, uh, the way that they did the program was really neat. It, they kind of catered to everyone's schedule, so my yoga training was. For x amount of hours every thursday morning you know three weeks on one week off over the course of several months so yeah that's how i got into it
0: (laughs) do you feel that ballet has is infused with your yoga or yoga infused with your ballet like how does that I don't use the word cross-train, but how do they work with each other for you?
1: Well, for ballet, definitely it is cross-training. I definitely recommend it for all dancers. Um, You're building a lot of, especially in ballet, we're externally rotated. So there are huge, huge imbalances in a ballet dancer's body. So even now, like working in more parallel positions is a really huge struggle for me, even Mm -hmm. after years of practicing, Um, plus the added core. we do a lot of Pilates and mm-hmm. dance. Um, but yeah, I definitely find a lot of the things that I've learned about anatomy and breathing and integrate that into my dance classes. Um, the philosophy is hard just because dance is very competitive and you do kind of have to push through. Like if you're tired and you don't feel great, it doesn't really matter. Like, oh, your toes are bleeding. like. The show goes on. Um, so it's been really interesting to find the polar opposite in yoga. Um, you know, if things aren't feeling great. I'm always telling people not to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really therapeutic for me, I guess, personally. As far as crossing over or integrating dance into um, yoga, I think that it is very, very much evident in my sequencing. Mm-hmm. Um as a dancer, we're taught to use the full space. You don't wanna go see a dancer and watch them dance around themselves in circles in like one little spot on the stage. So the mat's kind of like that. I mean, it's not a stage per se, but it is, it's your space and so I like to utilize that fully. So a lot of times you'll find yourself facing one direction and then another one and then twisting back and Mm -hmm. then um, yeah, a lot of the movement is really connected. It's not necessarily always very fast, but it is definitely, it is definitely consistent. You're moving pretty consistently throughout the class. So. Mm -hmm.
0: And you started with your ankle injury. So how do you feel now? Is that something that every once in a while bothers you? And do you find that you you still modify for your practice? How has it helped you? And
1: Well, I haven't had to modify so much for my ankle. It's actually helped a whole lot. Um, I tore the anterior and posterior capsule of my right ankle, so now, like, any, if I'm on it too frequently, any jumping, any running, it will blow up like a little balloon. It looks like a little grapefruit, even now there's a lot of scar tissue. Um, but things like down dog, you know, the stretching of the Achilles tendon, that's been really, really helpful. Um, so the fact that there is no bouncing is really, really great for that injury. Um, of course, I've stumbled upon lots of other injuries as a result you know, of those imbalances, like dancers were not known for um, being, Super strong in the upper body department. so you know really really practicing very consistently that was a lot. you know I found myself with wrist injuries and shoulder injuries and I still kind of move through those as I work to strengthen, I guess. Mm-hmm. just I guess overuse sometimes and you don't realize that you're doing it,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is so it's you end up having to modify and back off a lot of the times.
0: Yeah, yeah and modify back off in the midst of like healing and rehab type of thing. You build different kind of strength. Absolutely. And it can be really hard up here to know you have to back off of something.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been living on forearm variation things for a while and not down dog with the shoulder stuff that I have going on. And it, it's very humbling. Yeah. And as a teacher, I think it really helps, too, because... Um, even though we know these are the modifications when we teach and we help others, if we don't experience it ourselves, that compassion isn't there, right? You know, it's, you know, that's a lot of times why I shed a tear on my mat because I just get so pissed off that I can't do this. Oh, one simple thing. And I can straighten my arm. Yeah. And if we have that compassion, we can build that into our teaching. Right,
1: well, yeah, and a lot of that is just being patient. It's It can be really frustrating when you know that your body is capable of doing something, or, you know, I like arm balances, I like being on my hands, mm-hmm. and so, you know, this last spring, you know, I was out for several months with this wrist injury, mm-hmm. and You know, even when it did heal eventually, you know, I still have to watch it, especially when rebuilding that strength. I can't just, you can't just jump back into it. They have a saying in dance that if you miss one class, your body feels it. If you miss two classes, your partner feels it. If you miss three classes, the entire audience feels it. And, um, And it's the same way for your yoga practice. You know, when you're practicing consistently, your body becomes really conditioned. And so when you have to take time off, it's you have to practice a lot of patience because you don't get to jump back in at the same place you left off because yes. you've lost that strength, the stamina, um, the flexibility, and you really have to take the time um, to rebuild that because otherwise mm-hmm. you end up out with something else. <laughs> yeah, but you know, due is to overcome, yeah, and overcompensating in mm-hmm. other
0: areas. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you think is weak, what you think is strong, and they really just need to start working together congruently. It takes a while. It does. It does indeed. So I think you have a really, really unique teaching style. Um, You know, you can, a lot of times we just use the word vinyasa across the board, and I feel like you're class is so much more than just that word. How important is it to you to have what you have built right now for yourself and how comfortable you feel teaching the specific style that you teach? Because I feel like you've kind of, you've evolved from when you originally became a yoga teacher.
1: Absolutely. Um, I was trained in more of just the basic Hatha uh, style and as a mover, that was a little bit slow for me, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, the second studio that I started teaching at is this really amazing studio in Dallas as well, and um, they're like super hardcore, so it's an Ashtanga based, well not all of it, but some of the classes were very, very intense, Mm -hmm. um, very, very physical, as is the Ashtanga practice. It's, It's definitely not a style for everyone, I mean it is, it can be very intense, and so that you know, teaching there, not only did I move into more interest in the philosophies, because they integrated a lot of the yamas and niyamas into class, um, and all of the Sanskrit, if you've ever been in my class, I use a lot of the original terminology, the, the Indian, Sanskrit, and um, as well as the English. Because most of us do not speak Sanskrit. And you
0: pronounce it very, very well. You articulate very well. Thank
1: you. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, I like language. You know, ballet is all French. This is all Sanskrit. So it's it's interesting. I can't choose a profession that has English as the first language. <laughs> and neither one of them are very useful in the United States either. Go figure. <laughs> it couldn't be in Spanish or something. Um, but... Yeah, so I started out with this really, really slow training and then got kind of thrown into this very intense, high energy, very quickly moving practice and and learning to teach that because that was that studio style. And I loved it. Um, I couldn't, a lot of times I couldn't make it through the whole class. And mm-hmm. they were usually about an hour, 15 minutes. And in the last, you know, 40 minutes, I was just kind of like, oh, Holy shit! I really wish I was not here right now because it's so hot and so physically demanding. Um, But it was just so beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. the practice. I mean, there were times that I would just like sit on my mat and watch these really just strong, fluid yogis. It was it was like a dance and Mm -hmm. just like moving safely through all of these poses. And it was very, very inspiring. Um, So when I got here, that was my major influence and. I feel like I've really toned it down since I first (laughs) arrived. I don't feel that pressure. The nice thing about teaching in Little Rock like at Barefoot and the other studios that I've been a part of, um, I get a lot of creative freedom. Nobody Mm -hmm. says, like, this is the style that we want you to teach. It's just kind of like, okay, don't hurt anyone. Have fun. Like, (laughs) go. (laughs) Uh, So I'm finding that it's, like, while I'm definitely still leading a vinyasa flow practice, it's, it's a lot slower, it's a lot less intense, a lot of modifications. Um, there are a lot of different levels of yogis here. And it's been fun. It's been fun to introduce more of some of the more Western um, poses that a lot of people were not super familiar with. Mm-hmm. what I got here um, so that's been fun to watch the yogis mm-hmm. really change and evolve in their practice as well you know the same way that we're really focused on alignment and not getting hurt there are a lot of really you know you guys have built a this really strong community there are a lot of really strong yogis and so you know just encouraging them to play and just saying like oh yeah you felt fell out of half moon like who cares yeah, like nobody cares, um, because nobody does care. No, and it's fun. Sometimes it's fun to do someone's like the flashy, like crazy, twisty stuff, like just to see if you can. It's not an integral part of a, my practice, personally. Um, it definitely doesn't you know, define the success of that, but right. again, it's just playful. Yeah, it's, simply. it's fun. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, it kind of breaks things up, shakes it up a little bit. So, I um, yeah, that's fun to do. It is. I think so. And, um, I mean, moving, moving is a joyful for me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I dance obviously. And so that, and yoga as well, you get to move and shake and sweat and Cry and laugh and fall off your mat and kick people when you're in down dog and high five and wild five. things. Oh yeah, so it's and you do have the most energetic dog. Yeah. So I mean that goes along with oh, your whole life man. is energy. Yeah, he has all of the energy he does. Yes, Mister Darcy is currently taking a nap. I'll be feeling that nap later yeah. when he He's is building like. up for you. I know. Yeah, um, my arm will be very sad when we get to the dog park. All of the frisbee throwing. So you said your breakfast was um, coffee. Yes. What's your favorite coffee? Um, How do you fix it? At home, I am a Fr- I don't even own a coffee maker. I have a French press and mm-hmm. an electric kettle. So I am definitely a dark roast girl with cashew milk or coconut milk and honey. You're serious. French press is serious. I, I don't mess around, I don't mess around. <laughs> if I go to Starbucks, if I'm gonna do like the frou-frou drinks, it's always like a, a coconut dirty chai. Dirty. Yep. I yeah, have that shot of espresso mm-hmm. to kind of balance the sugars. Mm-hmm. Woo. Yeah. My thank you for yes. coming. Thank you for having me.
0: And y'all check out the schedule. Come try any of the classes. Make sure you check out Megan's. Can we cheers? Yay. I have
1: water to offset all of this morning's <laughs> coffee. <laughs> have a happy day, y'all.